Good morning, everyone. Well, it's good to be home and good to be with you again after being away for a few weeks. Uh, Nicole <coughs> sends her love this morning. Luke is uh, at home uh, ill. He's timed it well, you know. He's been great all holidays. and anyways, But anyway, he's, um, he's, uh, last night came down very ill with some fevers and things and so was cause for us to be praying. But um, we just want to, Nicole wanted to send her love to you this morning and say that she couldn't, you know, she really wanted to be here today. But um, she'll be uh, with us on uh, Good Friday down at the dam for our Good Friday service. Um, firstly, I just want to say it, it's um, just, uh, technology is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Technology is a wonderful thing, isn't it? <laughs> Mass hypnosis. No, um, I just want to point out that uh, for many of you, um, you know, you're looking to access the teaching that comes out of this place and it is available pretty much straight after a Sunday or at least by Monday, sort of sometime on a Monday, the teaching from Sunday is available online and there's a few places that you can go to access that um, so that you can listen to it at your own will and time during the course of a week and um, you can either do that through iTunes or through uh, SoundCloud and if you are looking for more details, you can go to our website, our church website, and you can download some instructions there on how to do that. Or um, Darren has um, uh, placed up there on the information table, there's just a, like a little, um, a little kit or info pack there that can help any of you that may be wanting to know how can I access this um, teaching and material during the course of a week online and it gives you step-by-step instructions on how to access that and where to find it and so forth because some of the stuff that's coming out of here I've got to say is absolutely wonderful and um, uh, you know during the while I was away for a couple of weeks it was, it was great just to be able to log in and listen to some of the teaching that was coming out of here and um, uh, firstly um, John did a great uh, bit of teaching a couple of weeks ago um, on, on the issue of identity and with regards to resting in the work of Jesus uh, and that we just get to receive this amazing new identity of who we are, all because of who, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and declared over our lives. It was some really great teaching. And then, um, so, so JB did some great teaching and um, and uh, I've been talking with him and they um, last night while they're down meeting their new church family that they're going to be the, the pastors of in, in a couple of weeks, in a couple of months' time, and they're, they're doing so great in this transition period, and I just really encourage you, please keep praying for them. They're, you know, this is, a, this is a massive step of both obedience and, okay, Jesus, you've called us, we're, we're going to trust that, you know what you're doing in calling us, and so we're going to go for it. And so please keep praying for John and Nay and the girls as they make the transition to Melbourne. It's a big deal. And, um, but they're doing great. And then um, uh, last weekend, Scott came back and shared with us about some of the things that God was uh, doing uh, while he was in Perth, watching what God was doing over in the West and, um, and how that has been stirring and challenging Scott's understanding of who he is as a follower of Jesus. 
and uh, who the Father says he is and learning to minister out of the confidence of knowing who he is in God. That's a great story and some great testimonies of healing taking place while, uh, while he was over with, uh, with Ken in, um, in Perth. And uh, Ken, if you're watching, please, uh, watching his, where he's moving, keep praying for him. He's in New Zealand right now uh, before he heads back home uh, to the US to move house. And they would like some prayer as well. And then last Sunday night, um, Trent Jacobs over here did some great teaching on kingdom, uh, the kingdom... What was it titled? The Kingdom of God for Dummies or something like that? Yeah. I thought, yeah, that's, that's like it right in there. That's good. But Trent did some fantastic practical teaching on the authority of the believer and the ministry and the message of the Kingdom of God. And one of the, one of the take-homes that, uh, as I was listening to his teaching, it was just fantastic. One of the take-homes um, for me, as I listened to that, was, you know, Trent was pushing into the whole area of, you know, so often we all get wonder, you know, caught up in the what's God's will for me and how do I do this stuff and where should I do this stuff that Jesus is calling me to do and live out. And, and Trent basically boiled it down very nicely to this little succinct saying. He said, just do what's in front of you to do. There it is, kingdom treasure, one oh, number one. <laughs> Once you've found the pearl, just do what is exactly in front of you to do. Jesus has put you right where your feet need to be. Okay? Jesus has put you right where your feet need to be. So, um, again, Trent, thanks, mate. That was great teaching as well. I really enjoyed the refresher in that whole area of authority and power and, um, you know, just doing the stuff. You know, along the way, people get tired. You know, people get tired of this whole idea of, you know, faithfulness, the cause of the kingdom, the, uh, the, the extension of the kingdom, the, the worshipping of the church, in the, or the church in worship across the world. Um, servants of Jesus as missionaries going and starting churches, planting churches, feeding the poor, um, you know, um, raising a generation of children for the cause of the kingdom. It gets hard, it gets tiring. And it's usually when it's hard and tiring that we begin to get to the end of our own self-effort. And it's right there that we begin to discover the joy of the kingdom. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm a dad, I've got three great kids and it was really awesome spending... Um, two weeks with them and um, but you know when you're not used to spending 24 hours a day with someone like that you know and I'm sure they'll tell you the same about me it's like dad we're not used to being with you like that much all that time all that you know anyway you kind of you get to the end of yourself a little bit here and there with you know relational stress and tensions and you're in this little pokey townhouse for two weeks even though it's got a nice view and you can hear the surf and all that sort of stuff it's like all of a sudden it's like gosh you know I love you but man I need some space from you you know that you know that kind of dynamic that's going on that goes on with family well you know um it's kind of like you get to the end of yourself and that 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 sort of comes along real quick and then and then all of a sudden you've got to go well hang on this is my family uh 
Yes, they may not be exactly where I'd hoped or would like them to be at this stage in life and the way they speak to each other and the way they speak to me and their mother and, you know, their, their assumptions on resource and all that sort of stuff. It's, you know, all these things like, uh, you know, but hey, they're my family. I, you know, I get tired in the context of all of that relationship as, as we all do in the midst of relationship. And yet it's right there at the end of that, in that moment. There's, there's a kingdom truth and joy to be found where it's actually, you know what, it's not about my fatigue. It's not about my self-effort. It's not about how good I think I'm doing. It's not about how great or, or progressed or developed as I would like my kids to be. It's, it's not about any of that. It's about do I love them? And am I willing to put myself um, in a place to be able to just love them and just tell them they're just amazing and do what they want to do when they want to do it? Sometimes it's, it's, you know, choosing to love is the way of the kingdom. Choosing to love is the way of the kingdom. You know, sometimes in your marriages, some of you all in your marriages, you know, it's like, and even in your workplace relationships, sometimes you just have to choose to love. That's the way of the kingdom. Um, you know, a lot of the time it's very troubling. Um, so, you know, sometimes workplace relationships or, um, you know, teacher-student relationships or, 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 or marriage relationships or even the church's relationship to the community and how we, how we love the community. Sometimes it's just... It's a, it's a bit difficult, it's a bit awkward. And the reason why I'm kind of couching all this this morning is because in that scripture that Terry read, just before Jesus um, went into, or towards the cross, that last week of his life before he went to the cross, um, there's this really honest moment in Jesus there. And you may have heard it. It's this, little, it's this confessional thing that sort of floods out of his mouth that tells you of what's going on in his soul and um, if you didn't hear it it was really interesting when Terry was reading it it was the exact moment that the rain started to fall on the roof which is the very verse of scripture that I want to talk about this morning I thought that was just like "Whoa, God you're so pointed you're so pointed but Jesus Jesus says this in verse 27, after he's received this wonderful welcome by all of the people. Now, you've got to understand what was going on at the time. It was Passover. And so what would happen is all of the people of Israel or the Jewish community, they would all sort of come in from all the regions and they would all sort of sojourn towards Jerusalem and towards the temple. And what they would do there is they would begin a week-long series of festivities, of feasts. And it began with Passover. And what they would do is they would sing along the way. They would, they would like, we're, we're, we're declaring public holiday for the next eight days. That was pretty good, eh? You know, I think we could appreciate that as the the land of the long weekend, we could really appreciate that sort of approach to life. But they took a, a week-long um, holiday and they would celebrate 
these meals together. And the first one they would celebrate is Passover. And what they would do in Passover is they would deliberately take time to remember what God had done for them in the Exodus event. Way back in Exodus, where God set them free from the rule and reign of Pharaoh and Egypt. And he called them out to be his people. And, and it's in reality, and it's also a picture for us of what God's kingdom has done. He's come and claimed a people from the rule of the enemy and established a people in the earth. So they would all come together, and it was Passover time. And the very first thing that they would do at Passover is that um, at the start of the week, they would choose the lamb that was going to be slaughtered in memory of what God had done in passing over their lives and, um, and seeing them set free. And so it's at the start of that that all of a sudden, I think that in the background of Jesus' head and heart, all of a sudden the words of John the Baptist start to stir in his heart and his ears. And if you remember... In the start of John's gospel, John the Baptist in John 1, 29, when Jesus is coming to be baptized, John makes a statement and he speaks out and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I think that that declaration of who Jesus is and what he was to be about all of a sudden hits Jesus' heart and chest and his soul, and he says this in verse 27, Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I think all of a sudden, Jesus, his humanity really hits the surface here. Um. That word, now my, my uh, he says, now my heart, actually in the Greek, it's, it's meant to be more like my soul. It's that place where my feelings and my emotions and my thinking all kind of intersect each other and meet. And he says, that very place in me, in this context, is, is he says, troubled. I'm anxious. That, that, that word troubled means agitated, stirred up, fearful, dread, and anxiety. All of those realities went flooding through Jesus in that moment. This is even before he hits the cross. You guys, you've got to understand, you're not alone. Jesus is not unfamiliar with who you are and what he's declared you to be and what you're to be for. But note, circumstance and the work of the enemy will always seek to want to have you live by your anxiety levels. And what, but what we see here in Jesus, in his relationship with the Father, is he's able to acknowledge his anxiety levels about his situation and his circumstance, but they don't determine his course of action. You see, people do relationship, you know, when it's nice and warm and fun and energetic and new and glossy. And then they divorce from that and go and start again. 
because it's all just too hard. But where we discover the kingdom of God in the life of Jesus is it's right there where it is hard, where it is anxious, where it is sometimes hard and tough and you know, all stirred up and a little you know, nervy and our feelings are all over the place. It's right there that the kingdom wants to glorify God. God glorifies himself in the hardest places in your life and my life. And he does it right here in the life of his son, Jesus. Notice there, if you just back up a little bit, where, where Jesus is um, uh, sort of prophesying about his death, he's saying that now's the time for me to be glorified, or the son of man to be glorified. And note how he describes what it means to be glorified. In verse 24, he says, I tell you the truth. You want to know what glory is all about? Here it is. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Um, Isn't it interesting how glory and death aren't, you know, separate, but they're like that in the life of Jesus. The glory of the Father and death in the life of Jesus are this incredible meeting place. And it's not one to be avoided. He goes on and he says, the person who loves their life will lose it, while the person who hates their life, not like I loathe and self-hate, self-hate. Not, he's not talking like that, but he's saying, look, if you just put the life of God and the life of humanity next to each other and you were to just on the surface, look at them. It clearly makes sense that God is good and he's for you and that the world and the enemy and the flesh just seeks to rob, kill and destroy at all times. He says, so if you've come to that conclusion, the person who loves life or the, the, life, the love of God, um, the man who loves his life will lose it while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it uh, for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me And where I am, my servant will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Jesus was obviously living for a glory that was not his own, and yet it cost him everything for that glory to be manifest in the earth. Jesus was obviously living for a glory that was not his own, but it cost him everything that it would be manifest in the earth. And then he goes on and he says, whoever serves me will follow me. See, this is the way of the kingdom of God. Give up your life and in exchange inherit the life of God. You know, this, this, um, this Easter, I, 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 I want to encourage you, I was reminded of a... Um, a small story that uh, Nicole and I were listening to uh, from, from Graham Cook a couple of months back when we went to go and listen to him. It was a great little story. and in, in it, well, For Graham, it wasn't so much a story as a dream. And in this dream, uh, you know, he was basically digging around in, in a grave and, and, and Jesus came to him and says, what are you doing? 
and, and, and he, he knew quite clearly what he was doing. He was, he was digging around in his old stuff. Graham was digging around in who his old, old, old person was, his pre-Jesus person was. And Jesus said to him, you leave that alone, that's mine now. Or thereabouts. Stop, stop playing around with what belongs to Jesus. It's not, not ours anymore. And, and, and this Easter, I, I, I want to invite you, put back in the grave what belongs to Jesus and stop picking at it. Please. There's no life in that anymore for you. Jesus has come and he's, put, he's purchased the rights to all that rubbish. And remember your baptism? Remember your baptism? Some of you, if you haven't been baptised, we can talk about this. But for those of you that have, remember your baptism. You died to yourself. You went under the water. You went into the grave. And that's where the stuff stays. Stop picking at it. Because when we pick at it, what we're doing is we're robbing that back from Jesus when he has already paid for that and it now belongs to him. And he, he rose over the power of that anyway. My father will honour the one who serves me. Are we living for the honour of the father? Right now, I just want you to just quickly think about the situations and the circumstances that you and I are most anxious about. What is your soul troubled about the most right now? Just just. Have a think about that, because you all walked in here with them. You all walked in here with them. Soul-troubling realities and circumstances, whether it's a relationship one, whether it's a finance one, whether it's a workplace one, whether it's a my kids have gone off the rail one, whether it's a I don't know if I believe in Jesus anymore one, whether it's a communication issue, whatever it is, whatever that soul-troubling reality is, know this, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The reason why those people that day when Jesus walked into town and they were all, they were all kind of gathering and there was a bit of a hubbub going on because they realised that if you read around John 12 and 13, a bunch, John keeps referring to Lazarus. Because Lazarus is this guy who was dead, but now he's alive. And the news of this has gone out everywhere. And so that's why John keeps writing about it. He was in Lazarus' town, he was in Lazarus' house, he was, people, people were, uh, uh, you know, wanting to hang out and find out more about who Jesus was because of Lazarus. Um, the, the, the Pharisees didn't want to just kill Jesus. They wanted to plot to kill Lazarus for a second time. I mean, the, the crowd that was with him uh, when he called Lazarus, there's all this hubbub going on. There's all this, it's all happening, it's all happening, it's all happening. And then Jesus, right into the thick of that, he says, follow me. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it only remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many. How will the glory of God be revealed in your circumstances this Easter? 
How will the Father be honoured? Now, this is not a works-based message. This is an identity and a purpose issue. Because on the one hand, we'll all, either all start running around trying to <clears throat> you know, make good on a confession and, and, and try and make it all happen, when really what we need to do is we need to come back into the knowledge of who God has said we are as his children, as his people. And out of that, we can address the circumstance. You see, Jesus, um, you know, he says there, no, for this reason I came to this hour. Now, hear me when I say this. The cross is very central reality of all that. That was the pathway. But the reason why he went to the cross was so that the Father could be glorified. So that the Father could be glorified. It's about, yet again, throwing ourselves back into who Jesus is for our circumstance so that God, there's a, there's a, there's a witness in the world that says, God is good. He's an amazing father. He's an incredible king and he loves people. How is the father going to get glorified in your circumstance and my circumstance this Easter? Put the stuff back in the grave that needs to go in the grave and then with the help of Christ and the power of the spirit say no It's for this very reason that I'm here, that the Father would be glorified in the way you choose to speak to each other, in the way you choose to discipline your kids, in the way that you choose to spend your money, in the way that you choose to serve each other in the name of Jesus. No, it's for this very reason. You know, Nick and I went for a walk on the beach the other day and it was just... It was a beautiful day, you know, the sun was out, the sky was blue, there wasn't a cloud there, there was a nice gentle breeze flowing and, you know, we were just walking up the beach and we walked for about an hour that way and then walked back that way about an hour and so it was just the two of us, we left the three amigos back at the unit and they were looking after themselves and and we just had this great time but we were just like, oh, we're, we're exhausted. We had so much circumstantial stuff going on in our family in our relationship as husband and wife, as parent to children, in our extended family, in our church family, in our uh, workplace environments, in all this, in it, there's all this stuff going on and we're just like, oh God, we're exhausted. And it was right in the midst of that as we were walking along, we just came to this very simple revelation. Very simple, a little revelation. It's like, Well, we love you, Jesus, and we know you love us. And so we're just going to trust in handing over who we are to you yet again and that your life would be in us. Very simple, but profound. I mean, I went back and I looked at my kids differently. As much as they were driving me stir-crazy and I was wanting to get some peace and some quiet time, all of a sudden I actually was starting to enjoy their presence. Get that. I was looking at him differently. 
but just because I simply I, I gave my life over again to Jesus and let his life come alive in me. This Easter, put the stuff back in the grave that needs to stay in the grave. All your insecurities, all your old understandings of who you think you are, and trust the resurrected Jesus. Unless Colonel Wheat falls to the ground and dies, just let all that stuff die so that the real you can come alive this Easter. Um, The glory of God desperately wants to be released into the earth. The knowledge of the Father. And that's what Jesus lived for. He lived for a glory that was beyond himself, and yet it cost him everything. It cost him his very life. This Easter, exchange your glory planned for life for the Jesus one. The Jesus plan of the glory of the Father. And fulfill, see what got fulfilled in Zechariah there. Zechariah 9, he gets quoted, uh, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated, seated on a donkey colt. That's pulled out of an Old Testament prophet. And a little bit after that, he goes on to talk about how the knowledge of God will be known as far as like the waters all over the sea, or, or all over the earth. Become a part of what God is doing, the knowledge of the Father. Live for his glory. Live for his name. I really want to, I really want to, like, put this thing in the box. Like, for your sake and for mine. Put this stuff in the box and put it back under the waters of your baptism. Put it back. It's interesting this week, as the um, uh, this morning, as the uh, as the as the prayer team were were praying before the service this morning, and they were all in there asking God, "What's on your heart for this morning? Any words of knowledge?" Big big thing here is on fear and anxiety, um, and identity. Jesus wants to bring you out of all of the social demographic profiling that this world has put on you. By that, we mean things like (coughs) baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen whatever, Um, (coughs) power jobs, qualifications, Identity based on um, whether you're married or what sort of a parent you need to be or even cultural backgrounds. God wants to take you out of all of that and bring you into who he says you are in Jesus Christ, which is the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. To reject all this fear and anxiety. Now, the righteousness of God is Jesus Christ in you and he wants to manifest big time this Easter in your life, in your marriages, in your kids, in your homes, in your workplaces, in your relationships. He wants to manifest his kingdom and his kingdom pathway is follow me to the cross. Put that stuff to death and then come alive again.
so that his righteousness becomes many seeds. Glory to the Father. Hey, um, <clears throat> I'm going you know, to wrap this about here as we, as we head towards Good Friday. But, but I want to finish on this point. When they were singing Hosanna that day when Jesus walked into town, that, 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 so, <clears throat> um, it means save now. Not, it means save now, basically. And, and sometimes what, what we do is we use that as like a prayer of like, would you please save us now? That's not what they were doing. That was not the action of that word that day. When Jesus came into town that day, what they were doing was they were releasing a praise and declaration into the earth, saying, salvation is now come to town. They're not asking for it to come. They're declaring praise to God and they're saying, salvation now. It's come to town. God's come to town. Salvation is now. It's not a prayer. It's, a decla- it's not a petition. It's a declaration and a release. And, and it's interesting, you know, that's pre the cross. If you go post the cross, the very last thing in the book is really cool. There's, there's, an, there's a heart cry of the people of God in the earth that still goes on at the end of Revelations. In Revelations, it says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the bride, that is the church, the people of Jesus in the earth, are saying, come, come, Lord Jesus, come. And what again, what the action of that is not so much a, oh, would you come? It's the kingdom is come. The spirit and the bride are declaring the kingdom's come. So there's a cry before the cross and there's still a cry. And that is, the kingdom is now The kingdom is here for the earth. What's the cry in your heart? What's the cry in your heart this Easter? Um, I want to invite you all, and I want to invite you all to bring all of your friends, circumstances, situations, and relatives and everything. I I want you to bring them all on Friday morning as we gather at the dam around the cross. Because there is a great moment of opportunity for everyone there. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and makes all things right between us and the Father. Every circumstance is made right in Jesus. Bring them to the cross. You've got to go through the cross. That's why it's called a, you know, those poignant moments in your life? They're called crossroads. That's exactly right. This is the way you have to go through the cross so that the Father can be glorified. Just trust in Jesus. Abandon yourself to him this Friday. Um, but before we, before we finish up right now, we just invite the Holy Spirit to minister Uh, with healing power. Here's some of the other words that came out this morning from the team.